Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So Gaza jumps the queue, runs upstairs and goes straight in ahead of everyone. And then that's where all hell breaks loose. Came out, smashed the door. It was mayhem. And he said, if you don't respect me, how can you play for me? I said, well, I'm not playing for you. I'm playing for my country. If I could bottle that moment up and just carry it around with us, like even now when I speak about it, I can kind of get emotional. He kept saying, how do you have to know the players of this calibre get into the England squad? <laughs> yeah. He sent Rio and Mike Lowe into bed. What are you two still doing up? They're having a drink, to be fair, with, yeah. them, you know, with, with everyone. He sent them both to bed and I thought, no, that's not going to work. And he was like, don't, don't, don't call him! Don't call me! <laughs> this was Dennis because he was so straight down the middle. It was brilliant. Welcome to another episode of Stick to Football, brought to you by Skybet. And this week we're going to concentrate on international football and that's why Jamie Carragher's not with us. We've got Jill Scott, Roy Keane and Ian Wright and we're also going to be answering your questions too. Right, we're in the midst of international break, so we're going to go for some questions relating to international football and our careers. And it's a question to all of you to start with. What is your best and worst memory of international football? I'm going to start with you, Roy. The best... Best and worst memory. uh, The best probably for me would obviously playing in 94. Uh, The World Cup in 94 was brilliant, obviously, with a good team, uh, good players. Jack was really good. Big disappointment, I suppose, was missing the World Cup in 2002. So, yeah... Proper extremes. Um, so, yeah. And he opened that can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> a little so bit. Like, yeah, the highlight of 94, that was brilliant. Yeah. Obviously, we don't read this. Talk about Jack Charlton first, because obviously he was... He, I had a... Do you know what, Jack? Yeah, I, I probably appreciate Jack more now when I look back and think how good he was and how smart he was with the players and the way he managed the group. Remember when I first got in the team, what, 91, 92? It was an established team. You know, they done well in 88, they done well in 90. Yeah. Vastly experienced players, Ronnie Whelan, Packy Bonner, Dave O'Leary, all these players. and So I wouldn't say I really talked to it when I first got involved. Because, you know, when you go into international football, it's meeting at the hotel, you'd have maybe two sessions before a game. So it took me a couple of years to really settle into it. But Jack was pretty straightforward. He 
His messages were very clear, very simple, which I think I enjoyed. Um, he gave the players a lot of freedom. We were well known at the time for he'd give you plenty of freedom if you want the night out, that type of stuff. Yeah. That, that was the reputation of that group, that you won games, but you also yeah, but, fair like to... Yeah, good. but if you looked at the group, they were established players. They were, they were proper grown men. I, I would have been probably one of the youngest players by far, really. Jack had, again, the team, as I said, had done well for years. Yeah. People like Paul McGrath, Dennis Irwin was involved. Lads who, who, knew, who, who played a lot of games. So Jack, when, when were the drinking? Because in an international break, you meet up on say a Tuesday before a Saturday. Or how well, obviously there was no, no. It would basically no. You'd meet up on a Saturday or a Sunday for a, a game on a Wednesday. There was no international mm. break. Uh, I remember back then, yeah. so you'd get together, on and sometimes Sunday. you yeah the Sunday. You, Sunday but obviously yeah. you go to. Well, put it this way: every time we turned up on a Sunday for a game on a Wednesday, a big we'd all be out on the Sunday night. There'd be no That's hesitation mad. about will you go out? Will you go? We're not, and there was no t there was no sign of kind of conversation about what time you have to be back for. What, 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 what time would you get back for? If you were not on a Sunday in Dublin, we'd probably get back six, seven in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And train on the Monday morning? Train, yeah. maybe training that might be put back to Monday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jack would do But you, I, I tell you, I'll give you a little... So I remember Jack would have a... You'd get together maybe on the Sunday, and the lads might have already had a few pints by then, and then you, there might be a bit of a get-together for a bite to eat, and the players would say to Jack, Jack, are right, maybe to go for a few pints? And Jack would look, lads, yeah, but I'd, I'd want you back for about 12-ish. You know, big game on Wednesday. Mm. And then again, I remember I was just a young player, I would be saying nothing, and then some of the senior players would go, but Jack, you know, 12 is a bit... It's a bit early. It's a bit early. And he said, all right, lads, maybe, <laughs> maybe one o'clock. <laughs> Jack, if you're, out, if you're out at one, you're in a club somewhere, you're not going to leave a club at one. Mm. Look, lads, two o'clock. Be back for two, that's it. But Jack, again, lads, we've got... If, but two o'clock, again, you're no man's land with two. Look, I'll see you in the morning. Just, just be back. <laughs> and he give and take. Listen, yes. it was good management. And guess what? The players then would give it back to him. Yeah. So we would obviously go out and, and proper go for it. Mm -hmm. So when I obviously when you hear about players now getting criticised for going out, Jack, Jack knew the group of players. Yeah. Listen, I'm not saying you could do that now. But maybe a young team or whatever, a team who's struggling. But these were experienced players who knew how to have a, a good time and knew when to turn up for a game. Mm. Very straightforward. But Jack's message... I, I, I like Jack... Jack's messages were obviously, honestly, very, very simple. And I was kind of used to that as a young player, and I was used to that with Brian Clough. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed what Jack's message well, to football, football. You said about your worst memory being 2002, but one of those players that have been in the squad when you first got in there in 92, 93 would have been Mick McCarthy. So he would have been your teammate. Then. Did, you get on, did you get on well with him when you were a player you know there? No, you can, the, the, what I'd say is, but when, you, when I got into the international, uh, international the senior squad, when I first got called up, as you know, some players would make an effort for you and some wouldn't. Mm. Mick would have been... Not, he wouldn't have made any effort for me. But I'm fine. Mick wasn't the only one. So there were some players you'd kind of... You would take... So you weren't close with him when Absolutely you were actually not, playing? No. no. And it, it just wasn't. It just... He, again, he was an experienced player. There was, some lads would make an effort. Just, I suppose, like when I was a player a few years later, the lads come in and sometimes you just would see them. Other times you go, we're only... Basically, you're only... You'd probably only have two training sessions before a game. A lot of time you were in your hotel room, so there was no, there was no building of relationships back then. Yeah. I, you only build relationships the longer you, st you you played with lads. And I think Mick would have retired pretty quickly after I got involved anyway. So there was no, there was no uh, rapport or kind of certainly getting on with Mick. Absolutely yeah. not. I was you, just a young player. Do you look back at now in 2002? What what you're obviously now a lot older. It's got a lot of times passed, and you obviously at the time. Your view was that the standards were nowhere near the, 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 where they should be for an international team and that you just couldn't accept or, or tolerate the standards. Do you no, look back now and think, could you have done anything differently? Do you have any regrets? 
You know, in um, terms of just generally because it's Ireland, it's your No, but you want to be careful. If you look back all the time, you could say, I could have done that differently. No, I, I think the dynamics were... The way we qualified, the, the, the hang-ups I had with Ireland had been going on for many years. The way we prepared for games, and, and that changed a little bit with Jack and the drinking culture. It was changing a little bit, don't get me wrong. But I also embraced that. You know, we're Irish and we do it our way, no problem. But the, the frustration came for me was our approach to matches, again, the training gear, and out just... And obviously it came to a head. The tipping point, of course, was the World Cup. And I, and, and I did show my frustration, which, which I would do. But it doesn't mean to say I wouldn't turn up or do the business in a game. I still can't get my head around how a team... We'd qualified, obviously, months in advance, how we can turn up. If that happened with England, France, Germany, and you turn up and there's no gear there, no footballs, no... Bit, you'd be a laughing stock. But for some reason, with Ireland, was like, oh, well, it's, you know, I just had enough of it. I went, no, no. And I had my little... Um, kind of debate with Mick over there. I said, Mick, this is that's unacceptable. You know, all very, all very calm. So, again, that's not the issue. The issue is when there was a meeting called a couple of days later and I was questioned about um, missing a game, a playoff game. What were the exact words? He said, oh, you could, basically, you could have played in that game. I said, I was injured. And you was injured, right? You, of course I was injured. But what happens is when you miss a match, we've all missed matches. Yeah. And we all have guilt. You, you've guilt sometimes for, for missing games. You think, could I have played? Well, we've all played games where you go, I shouldn't have played. I've took a chance on an injury. So why somebody would be throwing that at me on the eve of the World Cup? If, if they had issues with me, my commitment, shall we say, why not bring it up a month earlier? How did that start in the meeting? How did you get from a team meeting? Was where it in at, a team meeting? It was a team meeting. Yeah, but wow. how, how did that happen though? Because there, there, there was media commitments and I said one or two things over there I wasn't happy with. All right, okay. Simple as that. So Mick obviously was frustrated with, oh. I suppose, my... What's the word I'm looking for? Mick would have been disappointed with one or two aspects of things I, I would have said. And Mick's definitely... Was, Mick was very much in bed with a lot of the Irish media, which is fine. But that's, listen, that's another story. I don't, I don't want to go down that. And Mick also questioned me then and spoke about... I, I, I'd been asked by a reporter, did I respect Mick? And I said, no, I didn't. Wow. Oh, it's a problem, man. Well, let me finish. Don't be jumping in yet, Gary. You know, you're lunging in there two-footed, obviously. <laughs> but I told the reporter that was a private, and that's it. But word got back to oh, me. You oh, you told okay. me in private? Of course. Oh, okay. I said, this to this reporter. I said, just leave that. I'd... Right. That's not good. I, I don't. Mm -hmm. Even if I did, didn't respect him, but Ward got back to Mick. That's what I said, and the Mick eventually in this meeting was talking about, and you don't respect me. I said, I don't, don't respect you. Wow, you said but, that in front of the lads. You know, but this was after the, this was after the accusations, right? right, this, right, right. This, <laughs> this was after the accusations about me missing a game. And you go, and you also don't respect. I said, no, I don't respect you. But this idea that managers... Why didn't you respect him, sorry? I just didn't respect him. You know, but it doesn't mean to say I wasn't. We'd qualified out of a tough group. So it's not as if Mick was looking at me and managers going, you don't respect me, or if I didn't respect Ferguson at the end. It doesn't mean to say I'm not going to try. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this idea that managers going, well, if someone doesn't respect me, I was a manager, Sunderland or Ipswich, if you upset somebody, I'm pretty sure they didn't respect me. Well, well that's fine. Yeah. You still you go out, play is, for the badge, your family, the fans. So if you're on about regrets, but at the end, when Mick... And the last bit where, where I fell out with Mick, and again, this is all in front of a group of players. It wasn't private chat. He pulled me to the side. And he said, if you, if you don't respect me, how can you play for me? Easy. I, well, I, absolutely, Easy. but I didn't say it at the time. I, have, I said, well, I'm not playing for you. I'm playing for my country. Yeah. Very simple. Mm. But at the time, I just went, well, he said, if you can't, you know, if you don't respect me, how can you play for me? I said, well, all right, I won't. Jesus. And you walked out of the team meeting? Said, well, yeah. I said, well, you, you, can, you can stick to World Cup. So I have no regrets about that, but all the stuff around it, Again, if you're, if, if you're a senior player, if someone pulled me 
and it happened eventually at United, if someone questions me in front of my commitment to the cause, shall we say, as I said, it was, it's bizarre that in, in that campaign where we qualified over a tough group, whatever what may have been captain, I was under the senior players, a manager felt he could pull me in front of the group mm. and question my... F wow. And then talk about respect. You know, yeah. And get this idea, this idea, manager going ego trip. What, you have to respect me to play for me? And of course I don't, because yeah. another manager might come in next week. Yeah. I've, been playing for, I've been playing for Ireland since I was 14 or 15 years of age. So don't, don't you go on an ego trip thinking I'm here to play for you. I'm here to play for my country. I, I remember around that time, to be fair, well, 2001 too, you went from being somebody who would go out and have a drink, like you mentioned, obviously, with Ireland, but then you went to the, like, almost like obsessed professional. I mean, you've talked about this, haven't you? Where your body fat was 5%. Yeah, but I was just, yeah. You, you completely changed the way in which you obviously were sort that of... Was the way, yeah, but that was the way I was approaching yeah. it. But I, was, I never went down the road of then question what everyone else is doing. I, I, it's just because I started looking after myself after i done my cruise shit and I thought I'd better look after my body a bit more. It doesn't mean to say I didn't go out. I would sit there and start judging people having a few pints. Far from it. So the preparation for Ireland, I, and it might be still like that. No, I, you know, it still mightn't be all 100% professional, but I never wanted it to be perfect. Yeah. But what I did want from the group of people I was working with was progress. Yes. And when Mick McCarthy got the job, I met Mick. He came to my house in Manchester. He says, no, I'm not oh, on board. Mick's been the wizard. Yeah. Will you not be? No, no, Lewis, but, but this is important. But Mick came to me and I said, Mick, look, you know, the approach has been, we have to do things properly. When I said do things properly, yeah. I just meant food. And, and, and I remember, and I tell you, you're on about, and I remember we played Holland away. We had a training session, obviously, at this stadium. And we were obviously fighting it. And it was it's hard to qualify with the Dutch or in our group or whatever. And we came back to the hotel after training. I remember there was no food for the players. And I remember going off to Mick and some of the staff. So where's the food for the players? It's the night before the match. Yeah. Jesus. And one of the staff, I won't even mention him. He said, well, you should have asked for it. And I, I remember turning around. He said, I remember walking around. I said, where was the food? Oh, we're trying to get organised. There's a bit of pizza. And I'm like, fucking pizza. And I turned around, and I met all the players were in. I met one of the staff went, you should have asked for it. And I remember going, I says, I have asked for it. I says, I've asked for it for the last few years. And when Mick got the job, I said, we have to improve on the food. So, so you, it was all them little battles going on, mm. you know, little yeah. so snippets. The, the, so little things that started. Yeah, but like you're making the point as if I was turning up going, I just, I'm yeah. questioning, oh, far from it. Listen, I, you, sometimes I'd go with the flow. I was, listen, proud to play for my country. But if you're a senior player, Again, forget this captaincy bit. I'm on about when you've played a certain amount of games, you've been in the squad. I just mentioned earlier there when I used to go, the lads going about drinking. I'd be, I'd say not. I was, I'm just, yeah. I'm 21, 22. That's not my role. But when you're 28, 29, and 30, you have to take responsibility and go. This is unacceptable. Whether it be the travelling or the bonuses for players, we've all been there. We've all yeah, argued yeah. points. Yeah. So for me to sit there and take that from a, a manager, I go, listen, we're, we're not exactly pals anyway. We've qualified out of a tough group, and now you're doing this. In front. And I know it takes two to tango, but I'd be quite happy to sit in front of Mick and go, this is my point. This is... And listen, Mick might look back and go, listen, you were causing me problems, but I know. But listen, ultimately, I was there to try and help the team. Mm. And I think I was doing that okay. Whatever about my hang-ups or all the other bits and pieces, mm. so we all have hang-ups with stuff. So regrets, none. And I didn't lose a wink of sleep over it. But mm. what, what happens when you come back, it's more upsetting for the people around you. Yeah. Family, they, they, they take the yeah. hit, Awkward, particularly yeah. my, my parents. Mm. So this idea that I was sitting there going, hey, this is not unacceptable, like Jill was late today. You, know, you got I, hounded you, after you that, know. didn't you, that with the dog, the dog walks, they were sort of, they were around you yeah, for but you, a, you, a week you, or two. You, you deal with that, that's, that's life, it's, it's a headline. And what I had, that, again, be, before all this came to a head, 
there's a lot of snippets in Ireland about me missing games and friendly matches, obviously United and it was committed. So people always had that, I was never fully committed to the cause and all that, that rubbish that people were writing. But Mick was in bed with all these guys anyway. The same people, I used to see him. So these same guys writing stuff about me, Mick was enjoying their company and writing books with them. So there was a lot of stuff going on in the background. Wow. So no regrets. Jill, your best and worst memory. <laughs> oh, I forgot Keep it now. brief now, keep it brief. <laughs> uh, best, obviously, has to be the Euros, I think. Especially for my journey, I was so fortunate that I did 10 international tournaments, so to finally get that success. Um, right before I knew I was going to have to retire. So, yeah, that was just... If I could bottle that moment up and just carry it around with us, like, even now when I speak about it, I'd, I can kind of get emotional just talking about it. Um, it just meant so much for the girls, the game, and it was just everything. Um, worst moment... Well, let's stick on the best oh, for go a bit. On, go on. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I went to eight tournaments as a player and coach and never got to a final, never mm. got over Like What... You got to you went to many tournaments where you didn't get over the line. Yeah. What is the difference when you get over the line? What was the thing that changed that made you a team that actually won? I think it was the belief element. I think in the past when we came up against Germany, USA, we didn't have that belief that we could beat them. The game was at a point where we were kind of part-time going back about 10 15 years ago and they were full-time getting all these resources and everything and they used to say just believe you can beat them but when you couldn't whereas I think in them Euros when I look back on on that kind of period and you know you sit there and you go through like what's your values your morals going to be and you write down we need to be confident we need to believe we can do it but the word belief I think you only get it if you do something and I remember that season would be Germany and the Arnold Clark Cup and these things so I remember being in that final and I was like we believe we can do it because we've already done it like a few months ago yeah. and it was just it was just such a good feeling throughout the tournament and Serena did little bits I remember after the first game I didn't play a large part in the tournament I was coming on a couple of games um, so I could kind of enjoy it a little bit more in terms of the occasion and I remember after the first game she was like get round the fans like yeah. we were dancing we were singing and I remember thinking God we're getting carried away it's the first game right, and right. all this but her thing was let's get the fans on our side and it was really clever because for years I'd been like don't play to the occasion stay focused concentrate yeah. on what you're doing but there was just little things that you did it was just such a good feeling obviously it was at home and and everything else and it was just the most incredible journey mm. excellent really the worst was. memory uh, worst memory this is so playing for team GB in the Olympics so I did the 2012 Olympics yeah. and then did the Tokyo ones um, but it was in COVID times. And when I look back on that team that we had, obviously it's the Olympics, so you can have Scottish players, um, Welsh players, and we had like Kim Little, Caroline Weir. And when I look at the team that we had, my biggest regret is that we didn't go out and win gold. But it was in COVID times. We were in Tokyo, this fantastic place. We literally were not allowed outside of our hotel room. Like when you, you know, when you talk about tournaments, it's a lot around like the time you spend yeah. together because you're only on the pitch 90 minutes. We were just in these dark corridors, just sitting there. 
And I really believe if it wasn't in COVID times and we've got to experience the tournament a little bit more. Yeah. I remember going to the security card guard one day. I give him two signed shirts just so I could sit on his balcony, which sounds really weird. <laughs> now I've just said it, but just to get some fresh air, you weren't allowed outside. Yeah. So I think that's a really big regret of mine because I look at them players, hopefully Kim Little, uh, Caroline Weir. Um, I know Kim's retired from yeah. Scotland, but will she come back if Team GB get, get these Olympics? But I would have loved for them to have got some international success yeah. as well. So, yeah, that's probably a bit of a regret because we had the team to do it. So, yeah. Good stuff. Righty, yeah. best and worst international memory? Best has probably got to be um, coming off the bench and scoring for, against Poland, 1-0 down we were. Um, I think Rome qualifying for the, for the World Cup in 98 um, and playing up front on my own was... It's the best 90 minutes of football I've ever played because there's a lot of press leading up to it saying, you know what I mean, he's not good enough to hold it up. He won't be able to do this. You know what I mean? We're playing against what was it, Maldini and Carnivaro and, and those kind of guys. And, you know, so that was, that was great. But the goal against Poland was like um, an outpouring of um, emotion once I scored because, like, you know, people singing, you never score for England. You're not good enough to play for England. <coughs> you shouldn't be playing. And so to Why get... did you get that? <laughs> I don't know because I, I, I think I played a game early in my in my tenure with with Graham Taylor against Norway, and I missed two great chances. And we know the great strikers that was getting ready to come and who were on their way and who were already there. And I thought oh, I missed my opportunity. Um, and that, I think I might have been at Palace at the time. And um, so I thought, oh gosh, it, it's, it's done. So I did. I, I, every time I played, I missed really easy chances and stuff like that. And I thought, well, it's. It's down to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking my opportunity. And so I kind of blamed Graham Taylor a lot for that. But then when I went to Arsenal and I was flying, um, I think the biggest disappointment was finally getting to Arsenal because doing that work, you know, doing the work and getting into the, getting into the team, getting into the squad, moving from Palace, going to Arsenal, people saying, oh, let's see how he gets on when he gets to Arsenal. Let's see if he could play at a club of that stature because they were champions twice out of the last three years to see if he can even get in the team. And I ended up winning a golden boot that year and I didn't go to Sweden in 92. And, you know, the same thing with in 1990 when I came on in the FA Cup final, scored two goals against um, Man United. I was, there was, I, I was meant to be going to the World Cup but like Bobby Robson was going to take me. So I missed out on 1990 because he didn't think that I was going to be fit enough because my leg, I'd just come back from two broken legs that season. So I missed the 1990. I didn't get picked in 92, you know what I mean? Um, 94, we didn't qualify. qualify. 96, Venables phones me up and said, listen, I know what you're about. You've scored goals in finals. I know you can come on in a game in that situation. You know, um, I know you scored your goal. You came off the bench and scored your first goal for England. I don't need to worry about you. I'm going to watch for 96. And all the time, I'm having all these problems with Ryuk that season, thinking I've just got to stay in the team so I can make sure I get into the Euro 96. Because it's, it's at home. It's in England. It was supposedly coming home. And I'm thinking... I'm at least going to be on the bench. And I, um, I played in all the games up to it before they went to Hong Kong. And then I didn't even get a call. It was just... To Hong Kong? I didn't, didn't get the call to come and then that was it. The team was picked. So I think my, my best moment is obviously the goal, but my worst moment is watching... And the moment distills down to... Remember the substitutes that came? Remember Gaza's miss? You know, I think Darren Anton had a miss yeah, like that. Yeah. And I remember Oliver Beerhoff. I look at Oliver Beerhoff, who 
literally, he's, he's, he's taken my dream. Because my dream was all that season, all I'm thinking about is being in the squad, to be on the bench, to maybe come off and do that. And I always thought to myself, this is my destiny, man. It's my destiny to be... We had Les on the bench. Les and Robbie Fowler, who Les never played a minute. Mm. Never played a minute. So it was really strange and hard for me, simply because when Venable said that, I think, oh, so he's literally telling me, don't worry, I know you could come off the bench if I need you. And I was happy to take the situation of being on the bench. It was Sheringham and, and Shearer. They were absolutely flying, but, you know, if I was needed. So it was hard for me because then I missed 96 and then 98 when Glenn Odell told me I'm going. Mm. You know, it was the, I, I think I was in before, obviously before Gaza went in and everything went crazy with Gaza. And he said, you're going. So I'm um, going to play you and Michael Owen. I'm going to play you the first half and I'll bring Michael on in the second half against Morocco. And, you know what I mean? And, obviously, and then I've done my hamstring on the 35th minute. And, like, so I've missed all of the tournaments. I've missed them all, 90, 92, 94, 96, and then 98, everything I've missed. And it's something that, um, I, I, honestly, I can't, I can't rest on it. I can't, it's something I can't take because I, I can't believe I wasn't good enough to be in a tournament or go to a World Cup and play and do something. And you were a player that actually, I mean, I, I say this, you play that absolutely loved England, playing for England. Jesus, honestly. I always remember you think when you play, I remember you obviously, I was on the bench when mm. in the Rome night. You were so emotional Ugh. that night. And I couldn't get emotional like that, even by United, let alone yeah. playing for England. But honestly, you were so emotional. The thing is, Gal, because like England was the, the be all and end all for me to play for. You know, obviously people are um, offering you Jamaica or stuff like this and that. But I, I never had it in my mind to, to be playing for anyone else to try and get into the to the England squad. You know what I mean? I remember playing a B game with Brian Robson against Algeria. And that was easy, one of the best nights of my life. You know what I mean? If I never played again, playing in the B squad with, with Brian Robson behind me, telling me I'm doing really well. I was getting kicked all over the place and he kept saying, you're all right. Even when Steve McMahon was, when I got into the squad at Palace, Steve McMahon would tease me and say, how did he play? Because like, you know you're playing those games with England, the six aside games. You lose the ball, you ain't getting it back, and you're running for a while. And I kept losing the ball, and he kept digging me out. And I remember you're Brian. Steve McMahon? Yeah. Saying what? He kept saying, how do you effing know the players of this calibre get into the England squad? <laughs> yeah. So I'd go back to the room and I'm nervous, you know, nervous going into training. And it was Brian Robson who said, take the nice of him. You know what I mean? You're here on merit, you're here because you deserve to be here. You know what I mean? It's the same thing when we lost the FA Cup final. But Brian Robson came over to me when I was on the floor. And he said, don't worry, you'll have more days like this. It's just down to you how you do it. You know what I mean? So he is always there. So it was Brian Robson. And it's really weird because even walking in the corridors and seeing Brian Robson walking towards me, I didn't know what to do with myself. It was just like he was my hero. I loved him. So, you know, when Steve McMahon was saying that, I was nervous. I felt like I didn't belong. You know what I mean? Because, I, you know, being at Palace and, that, and giving the ball away and trying to do well. And I didn't get too much um, love from like Graham Taylor. Sometimes I get called into the squads, wouldn't even speak to me for the whole time I was there. And, you know, you're scoring goals at Arsenal. I felt really, I felt kind of, it just felt like humiliating almost. You know what I mean? The press, I never got any backing from the press in respects of how comes he's scoring so many goals, he's not getting a chance. But I already in my mind accepted that I'm going to be a substitute in this team and I'm happy with that. So, you know, so to end up, you know, like England, 96, it was my destiny to probably come on and score a goal in there. I, I totally believed it. Nothing could tell me any different. And the same when you say about how emotional I was with 98. Because, again, when, when Glenn Hoddle, you know what I mean, playing in there and then, you know, knowing how Glenn Hoddle gave me the opportunity to... He literally brought me back into the squad 
straight after Venables left. It brought me straight back in, which was really tough for me because I knew I was good enough to be there. And I wanted to be there with England's moment because we should have won that tournament. We should have won that 98. tournament. 98? Yeah, 96. Oh, 96, definitely. 96, should have won it. Definitely. And so for Glenn Odell to bring me back and playing that game, you know, and hitting the post like I do. Remember, hit yeah, the post. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm playing against Carnavaro and Maldini and then Costa Curta and Nesta. I'm playing against, I was at Chiro Ferrara. But it was like four players that I'm, remember being on the pitch and I'm saying, that's fucking Paolo Maldini standing there. I've got to try and go and close him down, Carnivaro. And so you're playing it. So then when we ended up, you know, um, qualifying, I just, I, I just, emotion, the emotion just, it just totally took me over. I remember Robbie Fowler came over and like, I was down like that and he, he came over to look at me. When I looked up, my face was contorted with like crying. I was like, this hurt. He said, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> 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 right, so. So that's why, you know what I mean, it, may, it means so much. And even watching the games, even doing the tournaments, it means so much. I'm living it. I'm actually living it. And so, again, you know, you know to get that, the injury in 35 minutes. I remember Glenn Odder in the room because obviously he had to send me home. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wanted me to come back after that. But that's the first time I started doing TV. But I said, I can't. I can't be amongst it like that. But I remember saying to him, you know something? It's... It's just not meant to be. Something like my mum used to say, sometimes things are just not meant to be. And I remember in the moment when he said, because he's, he's obviously they're getting ready to go, um, you know what I mean, to France and that. And then I was getting ready to come back to, to England on the, um, uh, on the plane. I remember I came back and done an advert, you know, we have to cash in on it. <laughs> cash in on the fact that I didn't make it. But like, <laughs> I, remember, I remember saying to him, and it was really kind of nice and philosophical and beautiful. He said, you know what? Things happen how they happen, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You played your part in getting us here, so, you know what I mean? But, like, it was, again, my England career. Like, the 33 caps and nine goals. I know four was against San Marino, but nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing can, like, um, kind of, like, substitute the feeling of scoring for England. I remember the first time I went into the dressing room and, like, I was playing with Gazza and Lineker and Barnes, or was it Chris Waddle? Could have been Chris Waddle. I think Robson, I can't remember who it was, but we just got back from the World, World Cup 1990. I got into that squad and like, I was playing against them. And I remember I went into the dressing room. I was number nine and Gaza was eight, Linica was 10. And I saw my boots under the number nine shirt. And it was like, honestly, I was overcome. You know, you know. I was, yeah. And then just as I was starting to feel the tears well up, Gaza went, ah, oh, look at right, you're going to cry. <laughs> 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 and it snapped, it snapped me out, but like, it, <laughs> but it snapped me out. But like, what it made, it was like, it was the, it was the game where I don't think I've ever played a game like it before or after. Where I felt like I was floating. Yeah. It was freezing. Yeah. I was flo like I was floating. I couldn't do anything wrong. I was doing stuff. I think Lineker took one off my toes. You know what I mean? I could have got my got my goal, which at the time you didn't think how important it was. But if I got that goal, I would have been off the mark yeah. and then you could get going. But, like, in the end, you know what I mean? The, the way it's gone, I, I don't kind of regret it, but there's certain things that I feel like, I just feel like I needed more yeah. support from people in yeah. respects of yeah. getting the chance. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Gary, what's your best and worst moment? I'll start with my worst, and it's because just because he's finished on 98. Do you remember the, it was the day where uh, Glenn Hoddle was telling everybody about whether they were in the squad or not? Yeah. And obviously Gaza, but yeah, yeah. Phil and Butty Fuck. were two of the players that, that got let go. And he'd taken us away for three weeks together yeah. in like a camp. We was in La Manga, weren't we? Yeah. Mm. And then we all queuing up in the corridors. Oh, and we all had like, I think we had five minute slots. Mm. So you imagine yeah. it's afternoon, it's 1, 105, 110, 115. But then you imagine a meeting runs over mm. and the next meeting runs over. And all of a sudden there's like a queue in the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> So we're all waiting there. You, I mean, you're nervous, aren't you? It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. You it's horrible. And, five, and five of us were being told, by the way. Yeah, but yeah. you must have had a feeling who was going to be in. You... No, but, look, <laughs> I thought Phil had been told the day before by John Gorman that, don't worry, you'll be all right. Actually, a couple of days before, you'll be all right, son. That's oh. terrible. So terrible management. Phil had been told he was OK. So basically, when Phil went in, he came back to him, he was absolutely devastated, just mm. broken. I always remember seeing John the day after. I like John was a good guy, wasn't he? Was John Gorman, yeah. He was he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember saying to him, John, you told him he was in. He said, I'm sorry, son. He said, he changed his mind. And he only went with one left back. It was Graham Lasso. And he said that Rio would play left wing back. We played wing backs. So Rio was either left wing back if we were going defensive as left wing back or Paul Merson, Paul Merson if yeah. we were going attacking. So Phil was going to cover right wing back and left wing back and he just went without him. That was devastating. But then Phil, I was in the room with Phil, with Scolzi, and all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. Gaza. And Gaza, oh my God, I've never seen anything like oh, it in my life. Honestly. The emotion. And I just remember, it killed us there. And yeah, yeah. It, the team, you mean? I think it killed us all there. And there. Or, yeah. Because Gaza was so popular. He was like, he was the energy. He was, you, you don't bring Gaza to La Manga for three weeks and leave him out. Yeah. You either leave him out to start with, or you put him in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but, but the Gav manager's entitled to have a look at him in the three weeks in La Manga. I mean, it's Gaza, I mean, you don't look yeah, at Gaza, Gaza, do you? You know what I yeah, mean? Gaza's like... And what, yeah. was he, what was he like in La Manga, Gaza? He was doing... His, he was being Gaza, was because great. remember, he put curfews on everyone, and Gaza... He, so what happened was, that he was really good, Gaza. And then what happened was, on the last night, he gave us a night out. And the problem is, he locked us in a bar. Right? Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. With a pianist. Mm. So the only person, there was basically, like, some bar staff and a pianist and the players. And and the staff actually. And Glenn came down about, I'd say half 10, and the lads were well on the way. Martin Keown had sung Danny Boy. <laughs> Gazza was singing. It was like, the, 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 we were on our way. Anyway, Alan Shearer, who was the captain, had rung up to Glenn and said, look, can we go into the other bar, in the main bar in La Manga? Because it's just, we're all in there on our own. And he said, no. So that went down like a, a lead balloon. So he came in, Glenn, with his staff, and all of a sudden it became a little bit like, I felt it became a little bit moody. It was moody. And he sent Rio and Michael Owen to bed. 
they were like 18, 19 at the time. What are you, what are you two still doing up? They were having a drink, to be fair, with, yeah. them, you know, with, with everyone. He sent them to bed. And that, again, for me, my upbringing at United was everyone goes out, you go out yeah. together, you yeah. stay together. That was like a no-no. You know what I mean? I was probably, I was 23 at the time. And, you know, you'd had enough nights out at United to how important they were. And he sent them both to bed and I thought, oh, no, no, that's not going to work. So he said no to Alan Shearer. He'd said no, he sent the two lads to bed. And no to the bar. And said no to the bar. Yeah. So it was a bit of a strange atmosphere. And to be fair, we were, we all got absolutely bladdered. To be, it was, we had that 10 days before the tournament. And he said, no, I can't afford to risk it because of the press. You won't believe it, the news of the world on the Sunday. The pianist sells the story. No way. The pianist sells the story of what we were doing and what we were drinking. <laughs> so the one guy that was in there, we'd been better off with the punt, you know. In, yeah, but the story in. was you were just drinking. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that was, no, that, was that, that, that back then for news of the world. You imagine, you're United, so what had happened? You're United Six, the previous tournament. Hong Kong, wasn't it? All hell had broken loose because yeah, of, yeah. of an English players' night out. Right. Hong Kong, mm. you know, the, uh, the club they went to, the dentist, dentist chair, chair yeah. smashing up the plate. So no England team could be seen to be going out. So the idea that he'd let us have this drink <laughs> and all of a sudden the pianist starts to tell his story. But anyway, so we had that night out. This was the day. So the day after that was the D-Day. So everyone's obviously had a few drinks, everything like that. But Gaza's best mate was uh, oh, Glenn Roder. Yes, yes, yes. So Gaza's best mate from like eight, 16, 17, 18 was Glenn Roder. Glenn Roder's one of Glenn Hoddle's assistants. It's about an hour. No, sorry, the lads have started to go up. Gaza's late on in being told what to do. So basically Glenn Roder's walking alongside the pool, apparently. I don't know this. I was one of the first ones in to be told I was going. And apparently, uh, Gaza looks at Glenn and says, everything all right, Glenn? And Glenn doesn't look at him properly. Wow. So Gaza jumps the queue, runs upstairs, and goes straight in ahead of everyone, and goes into the room. And then that's where all hell breaks loose. Came out, smashed the door. I mean, it was, it was mayhem. So did he not get selected because of that, like, night? <sighs> or was it based on performance? It, and... I, I, we'd played golf, hadn't we, I think, as well? something. I think Gazza had a few drinks while we played golf. I think there was something about could he risk bringing him or stuff like that. Yeah, there was there was there was always talk about Glenn Odell telling him at the start of the season, I need you to stay fit for the season. I need yeah. you. This is this is what I, I hear from the gaffer when I speak to you know when the gaffer when he, he talks about it when he, he doesn't talk very frequently about it but he said he met, he talked to all the all the year about staying fit, gonna need you and this and that. And I think that during that time, I, I don't think that he um, he thought that he'd done everything he wanted to do to so as he could stay fit. And then that last three weeks, like you say, why would you bring him for the three weeks, was probably the last three weeks where he's looking at him to see if he's going to be in the kind of condition that he would need him to be. Because he's the leader of the team. He's going to lead us. I remember Bobby Robson, the great Bobby Robson, saying, you know, well, he's, he's really called it on himself here, Glenord, because he's literally left out the one world-class player properly is recognised, so it's going to be interesting to see how it went. So, I think that he wasn't happy, and he was—he seemed to be constantly in a, a kind of flux of between the press. Did the press like him? Didn't the press like him? He done what he done. Did the press think he was arrogant? It—it it was all—it wasn't a nice environment uh, and vibe. It wasn't the, nice. The morning after, the morning after. So what happened was it wasn't just that they went in. So five players got told that they weren't there. So Gaza, Andy Inchcliffe, Phil. But uh, I think Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin, yeah. Um, it wasn't just that they got given a letter, and no one knew what was going to happen. That there'd been a private jet booked, and they had to go on it in like three three hours. God. So they had to pack the bags straight yeah. away and go on a bit of a private jet that night. 
It's not, yeah, but that's not a bad thing, do you know what I mean? No, I noticed. No, but what I'm saying to you, together as a group, obviously, Gaza, my brother, Butsy, you know, we were like brothers, weren't we? You know what I mean? And, like, and it was just shock, and yeah. we were like, oh, it, was, it wasn't well, great. You was selection was like that. It's so what do you want to do? Hang on for another week? No, but you thought we'd have all gone back together the day after. So what happened was the lads who, who got picked in the squad. I know what I'd be happy with. I'd be happy jumping back on a private <laughs> play. I'm serious. <laughs> No, you're on about a few decisions. Yeah, it was just, it was just, I mean, that, we trained the morning after and the atmosphere with the lads who were behind, who were left behind, were like, yeah. it was shocking. Anyway, we went back, all the rest of the team who'd been selected went back the day after and then we basically went back to our houses, but it was just, oh, it was yeah, a bad so You know what's messy, horrible yeah. about that, though? I remember when I was messy. younger. Yeah. I never got through, I never went, I never got through <laughs> any trial from the age of 10. All the, and the only trial I ever got past was the Palace trial. And it's because by the time I got there, I was a grown man. I was kind of settled in what I was doing. And I wasn't trying to play like football. Like an examiner. It's like yeah. an exam. It's, I wasn't trying to play football to yeah. please anyone. So, with, with, with the, I remember when you used to have the trials. You know when they do the thing where they do the names? You know what I mean? Okay, so we're going to take, we're going to take Scott, Keane, Neville, did it? And my name never, ever got called out. And so, in this particular instance, once I knew I was going to be going, I, honestly, I was like... I was beside myself. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you, you do your hamstring. Yeah. But like, I remember when I remember when I got when I got injured, I'd, I had to, I remember I didn't get a private jet when I got injured. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I remember I got a taxi down to the to the thing in the yeah. airport. I was sitting in the airport for like hours before I'd gone. But like Try getting back from it, Saipan right here. <laughs> <here. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> no private plane waiting for me that <laughs> Right, we're going to go into the community questions and the first question still relates to international football and it's, who is the best player you've ever swapped an international jersey with? And I have got a couple of mementos, memorabilia, piece of memorabilia that you brought in, Roy. Yeah, but... Which is nice for people a, to yeah, see. Yeah, something to chat about, or my cap or a jersey, yeah, I got... So this is... Is that Paddy? I never thought you swapped shirts, by the way, either. No, but you do it international football. You're, so, the previous conversation we had with Jersey... Vera. We were talking about... Um, Vera. Yeah, but people Gary, you were talking about club people. stuff. You chat. You have to swap an international football. Yeah. You wouldn't begrudge that's somebody. A that's, good that's, that's a nice, that, eh? That's a World Cup. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a World Cup one. It's it? uh, No, 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 no. I didn't, obviously didn't play against Patrick in the World Cup that time. Gorgeous. Patrick always smells good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the jersey, isn't it? I don't even swap them. <laughs> oh, is it? 1948. <laughs> <laughs> 2004. 2004. That's a good <laughs> one. No, no, you swap, you swap yeah. international. Who was the best player you ever swapped with? Oh, I swapped with Gary. I don't know, listen. Why were you against it at club level? Because you did, to be fair, used to bollock the lads if they swapped shirts, didn't you? You don't have to exaggerate stuff about me. <laughs> I did not bollock anyone for swapping jerseys. In, European, in your Champions League, you weren't happy. You, weren't, you didn't used to be happy. Players were like at the end of a game going Yeah, if you were making a bit of a fuss about it, maybe, yeah. But we, we, just, we got, all swapped um, jerseys. Yeah. But I don't think I'd be... Did you ever hunt anybody down to... Get, no. Obviously... I was, I, I was right there with Carnivore. I got Carnivore. Well, you have to. So, One yeah. player I ever hunted down. Ooh. One player. Ooh. Maldini. See? I went after the Italy game. I went into the dressing room second. I swapped with you, and he gave me his jersey. Yeah, yeah listen, I'm not anti that, but sometimes it's good to swap. I always think that you swap against the player you're up against. Yes, not chasing. You know what I mean? Not down. chase. That's, that's the bit I would have been slightly annoyed, but because it's you and it's Maldini, yeah, I let it go. So here we go. This is something that I don't know if people. Oh, no, you're might... talking about caps, yeah. Caps, so here we go. Jesus, I love the caps, man. So for you, I've, I was looking around my football house fans, night, particularly Irish one, football yeah. fans. That's your first cap, is it? First, first, first one, yeah. So there you go. 
Wow. Roy's number first one. international. Oh, they're beautiful, aren't they? they are yeah, beautiful, we used yeah. to get the same ones in blue. We used to get in blue, yeah. and, yeah. and the well, green one got nice, red. You got a red nice, one as well. Green is nice. Green is beautiful. Yeah. It's lovely, nice it's lovely velvet, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Let me see. We didn't used to get one for like every single game, and then the rule changed like after yeah. five yeah. years. Of we used to get one every game. England, yeah, so I think they changed the women, so that was the same, same as the men's. And there was just a knock on my door one day, and there was like just like seventy-five caps in a box. Wow. So yeah. All right, chill. All right, girl. That was only half of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's the rest of them, yeah. That is a proper flex, man. I love that. Uh, just so we can show you a couple... Flinging that down. That's a proper... Yeah. She just flung this on the table. The Dutch shirt, probably the most... Along with the yeah. Brazilian. You're on about heights. Obviously, that's a 94 World Cup. Yeah, that's mm. a good one. The Dutch Peterson. Mm. Yeah, Donk. Yunk. Yeah. That is a good, play. good one. Really Why don't you have them framed? Do you have shirts framed in your house? Uh, no, I've been. Oh, I've not seen anything too, in this house. It's too much hassle, isn't it? Getting them framed. Do you not have anything framed? Mm. I think my that one? two United jerseys. Oh no, did yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, Nicola Berti. Yeah. Wow. Nicola Berti. Ninety-four. Is that ninety-four or not? Yeah. Ninety-four. That was a great. He obviously result. ended up getting to the final. We were great result. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, good player, wasn't he? Good player. Tot went to Tottenham. Yeah, went to Spurs. The big, yeah. Yeah, really big. I like that number. I like the way that number is on the back. It is, yeah. It's cool, isn't it? Come on, where's your jersey? Am I the only one who brought yeah. it? No one didn't tell me. No one didn't tell me. Nostalgic. No one didn't tell me. Nobody taught me. I just brought what, um, do you, what do you do with all those? So you've got 161 caps. Uh, what do you do? Do you have them up in your house? Do you have them in frames? Do you have them? I've actually got them in, like, boxes at the minute, yeah. So I have got... When you get your 100th, it's a gold one. Yeah. So got that in, like, a glass box and oh. every game's written on there. So that was really, really special. I've got mine getting ready to... Because I'm getting some stuff. I'm going to do some renovations soon, so I'm going to get mine in, the 33. Yeah. Um, but they, at the moment, they're in a nice... They're in a nice, a nice box in plastic, so there's nothing happens to them. They don't get corroded. What do you they're, do they're the most precious box? things I've got in yeah. respect to I've not got anything up in my house of anything during my career. Have uh, never have had, no. no. In respect to nothing. Not a shirt or anything. No shirt, nothing. Where's what do you say that for? <laughs> they're, all in, they're in the National Football Museum. Yeah. In the base. I don't think they've got them on show. They're in I'm the basement. I'm off there after this, actually, oh, yeah. so I'm going to go and have a look. Th to be fair, that's where you should put your uh, caps and your yeah. shirts and everything, because they store them for you, but they also put them up in displays and mm. other stuff. So I've given to the National Football Museum. So have nice you got one. all your caps? Everything, all my caps, all my shirts, medals, medals everything. Wow. wow. Yeah, I just gave them to him and said, look, anytime you want to use them, yeah. just put them it's up. Nice. Cause, uh, yeah, I haven't got anything up in my house. Oh, you, Gary, you've not got anything up in your house, have you? No. no. Mm -mm. Can you tell us the story about when you had the faith healer, Eileen Drew, I, oh. in under oh. Glen Hoddle? Did you go and see Eileen? Yeah. Did you? Did you remember? Tell us about her. No, I mean she I... resigned after she would saw Rady, did she? No. <laughs> she says, was she the anger, man an anger management? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it was, you know what I mean? No. It was something that it's funny because I thought that the boss he got very he, he... spiritual. Yeah, he did very get spiritual. very spiritual and that, and he he got quite um, irate if you weren't if you I... weren't kind of like yeah, I didn't see up it. for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember Ray. Par I think Ray Parler got blown out by him because what happens is is that you go in. And but you didn't have to go and see her, no. No, no, no. He, he kind of he, wanted he, to see. He would he ask you to go and see her. Yeah, he would ask you to go and see her. And I remember Ray Parler, Ray Parler, because you know what I mean. He's, he can't take anything seriously. And you know when you went, you never went in. No. But when you go in, she go, she goes in and she goes like that over your head. You, you're sat sat here and she comes behind you. She's the and Ray Parler said, "Short back and sides, please." <laughs> And she told Glenn Hoddle that was, he was out. Was squad. What was she meant yeah, to do? But I would knock a manager. I, no, but I think that's just... Uh, it's like sports psychologists when they start to come into the club. But I think that's an option. If players are comfortable with that, then I wouldn't be... 
It was interesting. It was interesting. With the hands on your head. It was interesting. Energy. It's all about the energy, Jill. It was energy. It was about energy. It was about energy. I mean, I personally at the time I said no. I remember him going over to Scholesy because Scholesy said that he had a problem with his back. And he said, you should go and see Eileen. And Skull said, no, that's all right. I just don't want to. <laughs> Skull's um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah. again, that's fine also. Yeah. But it's yeah. like when people started, again, sports psychologists, when we started doing yoga yeah. at football club, everyone yeah. was... But you have to be open-minded. It open suits certain people. If, so, if people are getting a benefit out of it, other people mightn't yeah. be up to it. That's fine. But he just didn't like anybody, anybody that, that, that was... Disrespectful towards yeah, well, he, 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 yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah, very well, don't, don't be disrespectful mm. towards Who was your international roommate? Paul Ince. Was he? Ince, yeah. Me and Ince would stay up till <laughs> 3, 4 in the morning. And you wonder why you didn't get picked? <laughs> 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 no, we're talking about the early, <laughs> early part of when you get picked. So the, the Tuesday, on, 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 maybe the, the Saturday or the Sunday. So we used to stay up till 3, 4. And he, Ince was like on that Tomb Raider. So we'd be playing Tomb Raider all night, trying to find ways to get out of the bloody ca the caves and under the water and stuff. <laughs> I used to love being with Incy. I love Incy. Right? Yeah. This is where we got really close, me and Paul. Mm. A good guy, Incy. I love Incy. Good player. Who was your roommate, right? I was with, I was with Dennis. Dennis, obviously, Dennis. George, your roommate with United as well, wasn't he? Yeah. He was yeah, the perfect foil for you, Dennis, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, and we, yeah it was good. Listen, it's a nice mix of you two. Yeah, good. Dennis is a bit, yeah. He's from the south yeah. side of Cork. I'm from the north side. Uh, different yeah. kind of... Different personalities, I suppose, different um, traits. Mm. But yeah, it was good. You have to get on with your roommate, though, don't you? Oh, we didn't get on. <laughs> 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 we tolerate each other. Yeah. No, but it's quite an intense situation on camp if you're away for like yeah. five, oh, six weeks definitely. international. Who was you with, Jill? Uh, Farrah Williams. Yeah. So yeah, she was a good roommate, but I was really untidy mm. and she was really tidy. Mm. So I used to walk in my room and she'd have all my clothes all folded. Yeah, right. Lovely. Stuff like that. Sounds she like Bex. <laughs> what about you? I had Bex to start with, but then now we weren't compatible in terms of cleanliness, but also sleeping times. He stayed up late, I went to bed early. Because mm. he's on the phone, wasn't he? So I ended up with Phil. I mean, one of the best moments, just, just quickly before we move on from it, was when, <laughs> we move on. when, when, um, it, when, when Incy, when Glenn Odell came and knocked the door, told Incy for that it, the game in, it, in Rome that uh, he's going to be captain. Yeah. I remember it was like he came back in and you know I've never seen him like that before. It was very emotional, very and then he said, I'm captain. And then we both started jumping on the bed like kids. It was so funny. Aww. But like it was like um you know, you know Incy. You, you know Incy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not very emotional guy in respects of showing any kind of emotion. But like when he was told that yeah. that was a beautiful moment for me, I felt very privileged yeah. in that respect. Aww. The good thing with Dennis, Dennis was quiet, but if we were ever late for the bus or we had a night out and we were up to no good. Dennis used to go mad at me. Dennis would be like kind of giving out to me if we were late for the bus. Dennis have a go at you. He'd be having a go if I didn't kind of. I think we were late a couple of times for a flight in pre-season where I didn't have United. Fun. Yeah, but we'd had a late night out, yeah. and I think Dave Fever, the physio, came up and called us, but called me, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> and when we got on the bus, the manager was going mad, and I remember the, the, the physio Dennis said, "Well, I, I went up to your rooms," and Dennis went. But we didn't hear you. He went, no, he said, I spoke to Roy. <laughs> he, said, he said, but Roy went back to sleep and he was like, don't, look, don't call him. Don't call me. <laughs> this was Dennis because he was so straight down the middle. It was brilliant. <laughs> Dennis would lose the head if we had ever lace. We've talked about going out on the night outs a little bit in the last half an hour or so, but Marcus Rashford went out. The question, one of the questions here is that Marcus Rashford went out after the Derby game a couple of weeks ago now. United lose 3-0, mm. bad day, and he goes out for a family 
birthday party, but he goes to China White, which is a, quite a busy club in Manchester. Mm. I thought, my, my, my view on it was at the time that I felt as though, be smart, probably choose a better decision. Yep. You know, could you move it to your house or do something yeah, whereby, yeah. that was my view on it. You know, don't get caught type thing, really. If you, you know, celebrate your birthday, what, what would your view on it be? What would your view, I, think, I think you're human and you want to share your birthday. I think, yeah, definitely like in a family environment. I always felt like it would be someone's birthday and we'd be going into the game and we didn't really discuss it till after because if we ever planned this night out, sometimes I never fancied going out if we got beat. Yeah. So plans oh, would change. I never went out if we got beat. We never really spoke about it. But yeah, I think exactly what you say, just be a little bit more clever I, about it. Obviously, <coughs> it's so high profile. You know, the thing is as well, you're right. Some people, you just, when you lose, you just, you don't want to go out. But like, if you're one of those players and you're, you can deal with the fact that, you know what, I'm going to go out to a place like that where... People might be looking after you've just lost the derby. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know that fans are going to be like upset with that. They're going to be like, look at him over there. Depending on what you're doing, you know, obviously the fans are going to be looking and saying, look at him, we lost the derby and he's out here enjoying himself, loving it. If you're the kind of person <coughs> who can deal with that kind of like heat, you know, people saying, then go out. Go if for you your life. Do. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm probably with Roy. If you're doing the business and you've done okay in that game and you feel, well, I'm going to go, I've got nothing to be ashamed of. You go out. But, like, for me, it wasn't for me. I wasn't one of those that could go out like that, you know what I mean? If you'd lost a big game. No, I, I, no if I lost, I didn't want to go out. You no, just no. don't want to go out. I don't, do you know what? Obviously, I wouldn't be too harsh on him. I really forget if that it was his birthday. I think if people <coughs> want to go out, again, you, pick, you try and pick and choose the right yeah. place. He's a young lad. He's 26. Oh, he doesn't look like he's a big drinker. Mm. Listen, we've often, I, I, I've had some of my best drinking sessions after a defeat. I think sometimes that's when you go and get. You know, win yeah. or lose, hit the boots and all that. Yeah. No, so, I, I, again, smart to go into in the middle of Manchester, no, when you've just been beaten. Yeah. But, again, we, he's, he's human. Again, yeah. I, bet, I guarantee he wasn't drinking 10 or 15 pints. Absolutely. You know what I mean? These guys aren't big drinkers. You can see the shape of them. And if you know, if fans want to get upset, fans get upset anyway. Listen, yeah. but I've often gone out, listen, win or lose, you go and have a session. Sometimes the best time to have a session is when you've been well beaten. Exactly. Maybe not going <coughs> to a club in the middle of Manchester. Probably you don't wasn't. lose it. You don't win it. You don't. You can still find a little yeah. sneaky pub somewhere. It's yeah. hard enough for players with phones or whatever. And there's nothing yeah. wrong if you want to get drunk after the defeat because you have to. Switch that was my view. Where's where is he going? Yeah, that's, that was, yes, that that's was a daft bit, I yeah. suppose. So Next question. Win or lose on the booze. That was my attitude when I was a bit younger. Yeah, not now. Honestly, <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, hypothetical. Would Pep? get something out of this Manchester United side. So would Pep be successful at Manchester United? With the, everything else in place, would he be successful at Manchester United? I mean, it's hypothetical, this one. Is that a yes or no answer, or is it a debate? Go or? into it. I haven't a clue, to be fair. I just read that there. <coughs> I'd go, yeah. Just, I'd go, yeah. Yeah. Well. I just feel like him, that, like, just... You asking that questions, I'd just say, yeah. I think he'd see through all that. Obviously, he'd move people on. He'd get, obviously, he's got the structure right at City. I just yeah. think Pep has the personality. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I believe that's yeah. why I think he's a great yeah. manager. We've always argued he's had great players to work with, of course, but that brings his own challenges. But the style of play, the goals, yeah. the demands he puts on people, the demands he puts on himself. Players get better under him, don't mm -hmm. they? That's what you're not seeing at United at the minute. Yeah. Players get better under Pep, and you'd have to feel that he'd probably do the same with, with United. Will Mikel Arteta win the champion? Will, will Mikel Arteta win the Premier League at Arsenal? I hope so. You know, it's just, it's just a tough one. You were talking about, you know... This season, you mean? Or <coughs> at, at some stage. Say, just said, at some stage. At some stage. If he doesn't win this season, is he under pressure? I don't, I don't think so. No. But, and it's going to depend on the manner, isn't it? Yeah. The manner. He's making decisions already. 
You know, he's brought the goalkeeper in. You know what I mean? We, you know, people are questioning his, his some of his signings. <clears throat> I think that he's somebody that's very tunnel vision in what he wants to do. He looks like somebody that, when he sees what he's, 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 he's going to go for what he's trying to do. And I think he'll probably be judged at the end of the season if he can do it. But I feel that to try and chase down Manchester City with what they're doing, the margins, what you're trying to gain are very, very tough. Um, it's going to be tough for anybody to try and do it, let alone it's not just. Do, do you know what I mean? You know, right, we always talk about trying to close Man City, mm. but I think the challenge for some of these, for some of these teams, including, you know, it's what's going on around them. Yeah. Whether it be Liverpool, improving, need a, yeah. Newcastle, It needs Villa. to be a concerted effort from everybody. It's the challenge that I think yeah. Arsenal and United have to worry about. I whatever Hunter City do. I think Arsenal could win the league. The reason I say that, yeah. This season, you mean? Yeah, I think starting like this, I think the football will come. I think the football we saw last season will come this season. And the fact they've started a little bit slower, I never think it's a bad thing. They just sat there in the pack yeah. and behind. I think, I think Liverpool are more in that vibe. No, I don't think Liverpool... Have, I don't know. I think that, uh, look, a Maury of Arsenal is a centre-forward. Right. Yeah. Have, uh, that does worry me. I like Nketiah and Jesus, but for me, they're a number two and three. There isn't. A, they need right. a number one. But I do think that when the football comes, when it could come after Christmas at March, which Hopefully. is the right time, they could be the opposite of last season. Could be a bit of a stuttery start and then finish strong. I that's hope what they, so. That's what they need to do. I hope so because like they get down to that crux end, you know that crux end that's where City last season just went bam and went yeah. up massive. You don't want to be losing yeah. form at the end of the no. season. You want to be People gaining. People always focus on them head to head games, don't they? Though like Arsenal, City, and I always think it's the games around them, like as I say about the Newcastle and stuff like that. I think that's what's going to. You need other players. You, you, you need other teams to have a pop, a pop at City as well. So it's not just oh, so when Arsenal come up to play them, like when Liverpool were chasing them down. When Liverpool play, oh, please Liverpool beat them. And then if Liverpool don't, you think, oh, yeah. you need, it's got to be, everybody's got yeah. to be coming in to try and have a go at them. Well, I, think the standards, I've been, I think the standard hasn't been great the last month or two with the Premier League. I think some of the goals we're watching at weekends, I think it's so poor, the lack of quality. Man City are excellent, there's no doubt about it. But I think the other teams need to sort themselves out. I really do. I think it's, I just still can't see beyond City. Really can't. No, Even can't. if they have some sort of blip. Yeah. They're strong they, they, enough. Yeah, they're strong the strong squad's enough. just so strong. So strong. Yeah. Last question. When did you first start to think about retirement? At what point was it? Obviously, uh, we, we know. Tell us when you are retired and then tell us when the first point that you thought uh, about retirement. Probably, for me, um, is when, I, when, when Nicholas and Elga started playing in that first game. <laughs> it was like watching Ronaldo. It's like Ronaldo turned up. And you saw that. And what would I have been? 31, 32. And I said, my time is short. I could see that. He was unbelievable. Mm. You know, and that's when you that's when you, you, you finish training, you see him do... You see yeah, but that was on the end of your career. That was... Yeah, but I was like Arsenal, 30, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you weren't talking about retirement then, were you? No, 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 but the thing is... Yeah, but the thing is, you say... Oh, you're saying retirement. retirement. Just, no, when did you first start thinking about retirement? It would have been probably then. then right? It would have been then. Because, because you thought, ooh, I'm, because well, I'm well off The only it. reason... Yeah, because, like, you're looking at him and I'm thinking, I wanted to... I wanted to retire at Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. And when he came, I knew I was going to be leaving at some stage. It's not going to be long. You know, I, mean, I think came at 17. I'm saying, well, another two years, I'm probably getting really... That's what you're starting to think in your head. So it's when I started to see him do some stuff and I couldn't find many faults with him at 17. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? How old were you when you retired? I was 36 when I retired in the end. Yeah. Yeah, he got a few more paydays after. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't resist, did he? Was yours? How old were you? I, I was 34 when I finished. Yeah. But I... 
I should have retired when I left United. Mm. I should have retired that mm. day I left United. Me too. I, and I, I even lost a bit of the love for the game after that. Yeah. The day I left United, you know. Something died inside you. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, like we revised. Again, you get dangled. I was thinking, well, I carry him for another year or two, and I went up to, obviously, went up to Celtic, but my hip was really at me. Mm. Painkillers for training. Yeah. I got That's to the, the end one. of the season. I tore my hamstring two or three times up at Celtic. I'm commuting. I'm staying a couple of nights, and I thought, what's going on? 34. But I remember, I still had a year left in my contract, and I remember I rang Gordon during the summer, I went to see the hip specialist, and he said, listen, the longer you play on it, the worse damage. He put his hands on your head. <laughs> no, no, I'll be hip, but he's talking about, obviously, when I retire, about uh, quality of life. But the beauty is when I rang, I remember ringing Gordon Strachan, I was out with my family, and I was like, what do I do? And I rang him, I said, Gordon, I, said, I, I still had a year left to Celtic, mm. and, I went, and I'd gone up there, and I kind of embarrassed myself, I wasn't really doing the business, and I said, Gordon, I'm, I'd mm. say it, I'm finished. Mm. But losing sleep before I rang him, as soon as I put the phone down for me, I had closure on my career. I right. didn't, yeah. no hesitation, no, it was mm, like, a, I wouldn't say a relief, Felt but something bad. lifted off me. Where I, I was relieved. Yeah. Was you? But when I retired. No, <laughs> 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 yeah. But you know, when you've had injuries, it just kind of beats you up, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it beats you up. Where was Relief when I left United, yeah. yeah. They're all celebrating yeah, when I left, yeah. All the balloons, yeah. right, yeah. When was yours, guys? Um, West I, Brom? Yeah, well, no, but that was when I retired. Up yes. After I, I, I got injured in, I got injured in right. 2007, and I missed the whole of the of the Champions League season 2008. Mm. That wasn't the point where I felt like I was going to retire because I was still 33. It was when I came back, and you mentioned an Elka. Yes. I felt like I was out for like eight months. I felt like the game had moved on, and it was when Cristiano, Rooney, all them were playing, and I thought, What was your injury, Ned? What? Injured his ankle. So I was out for eight months, I had like loads of problems with it. But then I started pulling my calves. Yes. And I just couldn't and I, and just so that you're, you're changing just running style, isn't it? Yeah. I think you're... yeah. My ankle was gone and I like I always felt heavy that ankle. I was having those Joe's injections that they yeah. felt like oily, like, yeah. like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, a gel type yeah. thing. I didn't mind that for matches, but when you're, I'd be getting all them yeah. for training, just to get through that's training, the, like, the yeah. game's that's, up. That's I, I, when I came back, I thought straight away, and then every season I thought, I'm going to retire here, and to be fair, they just offered me another year, but the definite point I should have retired was I retired at Christmas in the uh, 2010-11, and I should have definitely retired the year before. I, I knew it had gone. Yeah. And, and I actually enjoyed my last six months, the previous season, but it was a shambles the, right. the season after. I had Stoke, Everton and West Brom three games. I gave goals away and should have been sent off in all three games. <laughs> That's when you know. Well, but, but, but you, That's when you know. that before. Jill, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah. you know, what's yours? What's yours? Obviously, well, no, just when Roy's telling his, mine's very similar. Like when I left City, um, I wasn't enjoying kind of the last bit and I... Push for two loan moves because you I'm Villa, really you? Wanted, you Villa? yeah Villa and Everton. I yeah. really wanted to go to the Olympics and then I really wanted to go to the Euros. Mm. But going into them Euros, my knee was blown up. I was on painkillers and yeah, I think I knew. I never said it really out loud, but I knew that was going to be my last tournament. So it took so long. I was so relieved to get into the squad, mm. and it was just a massive push mm. every single day to train and. Yeah, but once a decision was made, I think I'd, sometimes you don't get the best ending in sport, and I'm just so You're an grateful. amazing. Yeah, what an ending that is. That's yeah. amazing. And now I've got a drunken tattoo to remind us of. Tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's <coughs> half cat, half dog. No, it's meant to be a lioness, the, the date oh, yeah. of Wembley. Oh. So, yeah. Well, that's a great ending to the show. Beautiful. Thanks for that, Jill. <laughs> a great ending to stick to football. Right. Right. We finished. 
Right, see you later, Gary. <laughs> right, see, well done. I love you, mate. We'll be right, here 24 yeah. hours. Bring Cameron back. Brilliant. I felt like I was going to cry there. Oh. I'm going to burst into tears. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.